It's time for ROTD Weekend. If you listened to this morning's episode, you know that we just celebrated our 900th episode. That was the How to Make Grits episode from this morning, making this number 901. To celebrate, I have a very special guest today. It is my own brother, Mike Pittman, who has had a culinary career, a life in food, very similar but different to mine. Well, it started in some of the same places, right? I find it really fascinating how people end up doing what they're doing with their lives. You know, my son Jeremy is in 10th grade and has started thinking about college. And he talks a lot about what he wants to major in, where he wants to work. He seems to already have decided where he wants to work sometimes, that kind of thing. And I always kind of pause or have trouble actually talking with him about it because there is zero way I would have predicted that I would have a cooking podcast at his age because podcasts didn't even exist then, nor did food blogs or blogs of any kind or the internet. I don't think maybe it did. Yeah, I graduated high school in 1994. Possibly the internet existed in 1992, but most people didn't know about it. I got my first email address in 1994. So yeah, we can't predict where we're going. I started out loving food and of course worked in my family's restaurants and waited tables. And then I went off and did a variety of college degrees and focused on linguistics and the Inuktitut language spoken by Eskimoan or Inuit people as they prefer to be called, which is very, very far from this food blog podcasting situation that I'm now in. But I did start with food and have ended up with food. And I can say that I know this doesn't come up in my brother's conversation. While he is in sort of the food industry, you'll hear what he's actually doing more in a moment. He is still there. His life is bookended, interestingly, by some things. So when he was in high school, his main passion was volleyball. And he stopped playing for a long time. But now he is back coaching his son, my amazing nephew, Carter, and also just doing an insanely good job at it. They are just crushing it. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't be so quiet or unsure of what to say when my son is talking now about what he wants to do. Like I said, my first thought is often, oh, you can't possibly know what route you're going to take. But if you look at me and my brother, we have come back to the things that we enjoyed at my son's current age. And so maybe it'll work out that way for him too. Maybe you can follow those passions and have them actually end up there through a circuitous route, but there nonetheless. And then once you get there, of course, you need to do a blog and a podcast about it, right? I totally am going to be telling my brother that he needs to do a volleyball coaching podcast. How great would that be? But that is not what Mike is here to talk with me about today. There is no volleyball talk. There is just talk of food and of a recipe that has been very special in his own restaurant career. Let's talk to my brother, Mike Pittman. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, sis. 
It's great to see you and talk to you. And well, we both know food was a huge part of our lives growing up and careers. Your food background is extensive. Can you fill us in on your history in this cooking world? Yeah. So I was thinking about it. It wasn't that long. I mean, I'm 46 now. And I think so I started when I was 11. So yeah, only about 35 years. I think I've been doing this in all aspects of the definition of the food and beverage (laughs) industry, I guess. Started in, um, you know, family businesses, learning the ropes through that, branching out, buying my own one, my own business in uh, my early 20s. Learning a lot those years, jumping into more family businesses as we went, met my wife, had a family while still doing family businesses, <laughs> Me and my wife buying a family restaurant and running that, and, and now we run a golf course, kind of doing the same thing, so... Yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of been my life and it's following me around. Right now. <laughs> you can't, I know we can't escape. I mean, I went off to do a degree in linguistics and here I am talking about food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of find myself always going back there because it, it, it's something that you're knowledgeable and you know you're good at. Even if you want to get out, you always want to have your input uh, heard, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there's a little bit of that with my job now at the golf course, uh, helping out uh, Ange on her side, and uh, I still like it. It's still fun. Yeah, yeah, and there's something about it too. Like I don't, I don't, I actually don't know how you feel about it, but it was such a huge part of our lives growing up with our parents having restaurants like our mutual parents that we have together having restaurants, that the talk about food and about business was so continuous and woven into our lives that it's something that I still get excited talking about it's like it's almost like a groove like oh we're talking about food now eyes light up like i could do this and i feel like you have that too right yeah i mean we got exposed to it very early right and i i I strongly believe that most kids children young adults getting into the work industry workforce whatever you want to call it um should start in the restaurant industry i feel there's so much to learn just that you can carry over into your own household like you're all you're part of a team you gotta you gotta pull your weight you know all that kind of stuff will help you in life and anything that you do so it's it's a very good um, first job for people and we had no choice so we were <laughs> right into that so, it's true we did not have choice but no you're, you're right i feel like not only did we learn cooking skills which of course you use all the time even if you're not staying in the professional world the teamwork And then just service industry stuff in general, like that ability that I know you and I both have to like put a smile on your face, even when you're not happy and say, hi there, how are you today? And (laughs) right. But like get really good at that. It's, it's, it's a, it's a very important skill that I find I use not on this podcast. No, like, but no, like all the time you walk into a situation, you're having a bad day and you have to convince somebody of something or talk to somebody and I just have this ability to switch into not my own mood and talk in that way and I think that's part of what came from what more the the serving tables than the cooking part yeah I mean like being friendly is a huge part of running a restaurant you know I'm big on first impressions and if you're friendly you come to a place it's clean people are friendly right away I mean your your first impressions are, are good right so your experience has already started off good you know, and then the food quality and all that kind of stuff will follow. But there's always that first impression that people will remember, right? Mm-hmm. Even if they do have an incident, I mean, nothing's perfect, right? You know, 
everyone's not always happy with everything that they get, but yeah. um, at least they'll have that to take away, right? Yeah, no, it's true. Oh yeah, and there's nothing that makes me reluctant or suspicious when I get into a restaurant, like there being like rudeness or a lack of friendliness in that greeting. Like somebody greets you and takes you to a table, your server comes over and doesn't say, hi, how are you? And just says, get you a drink or something. And you're just like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you start deducting like gratuity yeah. percentages right away, right? <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, yeah. It, it's so true. We we learned so much from that industry. And now you cook at home a ton too, right? Love it. Love it. Yeah. So I, I stopped enjoying cooking for other people in restaurants and stuff. So And so now I have more of an office sales person, a business development kind of position, um, which is great. But I do have learned so much and I do love cooking for the family and they love what I cook. So it works out really well. And Ange really loves it when I cook. So (laughs) (laughs) you may not believe this, but Marty is actually making us dinner tonight. That does not happen very often. I'm very excited. Yep. He he did the grocery shopping and and that. So yes, I, I know how she must feel how what a treat that is when somebody else does the planning and the cooking mm-hmm. right it's both yeah. all well and well, I, do, I do my best pressure my best cooking and stuff i kind of do under pressure when it's like okay well you have like some main ingredients that you you want to use and then it's like what, what am i going to do with this and then you just kind of just come up with something those are usually like we start sitting here and eating and being like this is the best of ever. like you know like carter will say that or brooke will say that and then it's just i, I love doing that kind of cooking you know where it's just kind of spontaneous it's just throw something together yeah Mix these spices together, see if it's good, whatever. Except they say this is the best, the best burger I've ever had, or the best, and you like didn't write it down, and you're like, oh yeah. shoot. <laughs> oh, how do I? <laughs> well, yeah. you're never getting it again, so enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, yeah, I don't write anything down that I'm doing. Like, I'm not that kind of. Yeah, I just kind of wing it, and I kind of know what what flavors we all like, and whoever I'm cooking for, kind of what, what I'm going for, you mm-hmm. know. So I just kind of, I mean, good memories too. I mean, doing what what we do, what we did serving whatever it is planning events which is what i do now you need to have a good memory you need to be uh paying attention to detail all that kind of stuff right yeah yeah oh yeah for sure so mike have you brought a surprise recipe for me today i did and this was such a hard decision and then just a little how i got here was was kind of funny because i had some ideas as i kind of bounced off mom and dad and and then i was like what no that's not even a recipe that's not even what she's asking for like this is new what we're talking about so then i was like okay well Let's rethink this. So then I was like, well, we've been a part of like seven or eight different restaurants or businesses, right? And what was very consistent with all those? And then I was like, okay, well, what next? What, what when people come over and I say, hey, what do you guys want to have? And what's what, what's something that's always suggested? So then it brought me to, and I was going to see if you can guess. I'm going to guess. I hope I'm right. I know you're going to guess. Is it Alfredo sauce? No, you're wrong. Caesar salad? You're wrong. <laughs> no, you're, 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 you're in the right country, kind of. <laughs> Okay, no, I don't know. Oh, it's 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 our long family pizza dough recipe uh, that I used at Meteor Mike's. I think so. I don't even know how we came up with this. And you know what? This is what I think happened. So basically, here here's a six ingredient pizza dough recipe that we're going to tell you how to make today. And the main reason why I chose this is what we just talked about, but also because we just ordered pizza the other day. It was seventy five dollars and skipped the dishes. And I'm like banging my head against the wall, being like, Oh my god, I could do this for like you know ten bucks. And then I thought, you know, going back to what we served good and what I know I do good. So everybody always wants pizza. So, and then I thought, you know what? It's only six ingredients. It's super easy to do. Once people do it, they'll, it'll change the way they think about pizza in their household, serving to their family. I think they'll even change the way they, 
they order pizza. They won't order pizza anymore. They'll, they'll designate a pizza making day, do this, put it in their freezers, even going to the supermarket, buying the, the frozen crust. I mean, so I think this recipe was originally started by mom, right? She knew I was buying a little pizza stand in West Hawk Lake, Manitoba, served hot dogs, ice cream, you know, and they had a little pizza oven in the back. So we wanted to serve pizza. So, so I'm sure it was mom kind of, you know, preparing, trying to find something for me that's easy to make. Cause she knows I was 22, 23, right. Knowing what I was like back then, you know, and then I think she just found something simple, you know, that I could do in the back, you know, super easy. And it ended up just being a hit. It was, it, it became the, the main thing that we served at Meteor Mike's, which was that little pizza stand that I had there. We eventually brought that recipe to the Falcon Lake Deli, started mm-hmm. doing it in the winter time there. We served it in the wintertime at Pittman's on 44, and we still make it at home to this day. It's funny because I posted a couple pictures of pizza not too long ago, and uh, my third employee that I ever hired in my life at that little hot dog stand uh, reached out to me on social media and says, hey, Mike, is that the, still the same recipe? And they still use it because he, he actually asked me one time. I still remember this. He's like, Mike, do you mind if I tell my mom? Because I had him making the dough in the back. It's little yeah, yeah. kid, just first job, right? Showed him how to make the dough. So he got really good at it. And then he asked me if I could, he can give the recipe to his mom. And, and so they still make this pizza dough to this day. Wow. So we're going to do that. I just, and, I, uh, I have, I have so many things I want to say, but I think it's hilarious and wonderful. And just so our family that you were 22, 23 with this little hot dog stand that has a pizza oven and nobody thought, let's just buy pizzas or let's just buy dough. Like, of course. Well, we, we <laughs> no, no, I'm sure that totally, I think we sampled some. I think we got some samples and it was just like, you know, you can go buy this at Sobeys or like, it just wasn't like, you know, mom, she's like, we got to do homemade. We got to, you know, watch our profits. You know, we got to do all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and she knew that it needed to be easy for me because it's a lot like my Mm -hmm. first business. I got kids that have never done anything in food and beverage before, right? Yeah, so yeah, that, that was a challenge. So it needed to be easy. It needed to be something that I can do in the back while I'm watching the front at the same time. Kind of mm-hmm. thing, right? And I want to—I just want to say because I know that most of the people listening to this are in the United States. You said that your pizza for your family of four the other day was seventy-five dollars. So I just want to like call out when people say things are more expensive in Canada, they like really are more expensive in Canada. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, that's over a hundred dollars. US right to us so you know if we're spending if, if it was $75 US to us that's oh. that's over but it's got to yeah, be $105 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's so probably right. it's probably like more like, it's probably like 55 US dollars I'm not doing the math very well yeah. but it's still yeah. more than like if I buy pizza for the four of us I mean I can get pizza for $25 for the four of us you know what I mean right so uh, but then you're then you're looking at the quality so yeah when I say I'm spending 75 it's from the best place in town right mm-hmm. which when we're eating out we're like okay well let's eat out let's not just go to this place because they're giving away their pizza well what are you eating then right yeah. like it's we want it to be good we love pizza we eat it a lot the kids love mine the best so like we we often are reverting to doing this and freezing crusts and making pizza and i love that this yeah. is freezable so tell me six ingredient pizza where do you start with making this pizza dough okay so first off i'll what i'll do is i'll just grab a medium medium size mixing bowl and then I'll, i usually start with the dry ingredients so then i'll get two and a half cups of flour okay and i've even experimented with whole wheat flour uh, a mixture of all-purpose and whole wheat um, just to make it healthier, whatever you're doing. It works. Uh, it does work at the best with just all-purpose white flour. And then I would throw in one and a half tablespoons of instant yeast. So that's the like quick rise bread machine yeast kind yeah, of stuff. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And then one teaspoon of salt. Okay. And then I'll just mix that together. And then uh, in a, in a uh, then you'll need a medium-sized measuring cup that has at least more than, well, about two cups would be as efficient. 
you'll need one and a half cups of warm water. So often I use not hot water, but not lukewarm water, like kind of like hot tap water even, mm-hmm. um, but not burning. You don't want to burn yourself, but just it needs to be nice and warm. It really likes it warm. And then I would do one good tablespoon of honey. Now, this recipe, when we made it back then, used to call for sugar as part of the dry ingredients. Now, I recently cut that out. And um, just because I we don't like having sugar, uh, we're trying to cut out as much sugar as we can. So then I just make sure that it's one good tablespoon of honey just to compensate for that lack of sugar that you're not putting in anymore. And then I would, in, in that measuring cup, and then do two tablespoons of olive oil. And then I would just mix it all together, try to melt. If you're, it depends what kind of honey you're using. Like I use liquid honey. I've used cream honey. You just have to melt that everything together, right? I, I'm just, and I'm going to say, because this is another, another, I don't know if creamed honey is just a Canadian thing or what, but in one of my TikTok videos, oh, the honey dill sauce. When I did the honey dill sauce on TikTok, in my little blurb, I say how, like liquid honey. And so many people are like, what's liquid honey as opposed to solid honey? And they're just like, I, I'm like, oh, maybe people don't have creamed honey here. Yeah. So if people are listening and don't know what Mike's talking about, well, you're using the liquid honey, but not contrasting yeah. it with some other weird thing. It's just normal right. honey, normal, normal honey. If you have a solid honey um, and it's microwavable, I would just microwave it, warm it up, get it nice, get it to a liquid state, and then add it to your water and your olive oil. Okay. Mix it all up really good. Uh, You can whisk it if you want to, spoon, fork, whatever you mix it with. Uh, And then I dump it right into the mixing bowl. um, And then I'll take a spatula. I won't dig my hands in there right away. I'll take the spatula and just around the edges, I'll just kind of fluff it all up together just so all the all the liquid looks like it's gone and it's starting to absorb into the flour. And then once that happens, then I'll kind of just start kneading it very lightly with my hands and just kind of getting all the ingredients around the bowl. Now, it, 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 you don't want it to be sticky and you don't want it to be like overloaded with flour. So I will have the flour close by when I'm doing this. And if it is starting to get sticky, I'll just like sprinkle it with some more and just so it's not sticky. And then once it's like coated like lightly, almost like you dipped it in like icing sugar or something, you know, it has like a white coating of flour. Mm-hmm. I'll, put, I'll put more flour on the on the counter and then I'll just start kneading it really good on there. And then you'll get rid of all the flour and again, nice. And, and then again, you don't want it to be, you don't want it to be sticky because you're going to be putting it into a plastic bag and letting it rise or a plastic, whatever you have. I mean, I put it on a tray covered with plastic wrap works as well. But anyway, you don't want it to stick to the plastic after. So you want the dough to, so after you're kneading it, you're kneading it, you're kneading it into the size of about a bowl, like a, like a cereal bowl, mm-hmm. maybe. Right. And then you want it to just let it rest after you've kneaded it. And then you want to just sprinkle it with a little bit more flour, just what so has like that coating of, of whiteness, almost like, it, you know, you just sprinkled it on, put it into a bag or have it covered for about 20 minutes. And then you're going to let it rise and then you're going to put it into the cooler and you're done. Okay, at what stage in there would you freeze it if you were going to freeze it? Okay, so I've done experiments freezing it in the ball. You could do that. It just takes longer to thaw out when you want to use it, and then you have to roll it out. And it does take longer to thaw out. And once it does thaw out, it doesn't roll out as easily as it does when it's fresh, when you just made it. So when, when when it's warm and it's just rising... After it's been cooled in the fridge, it's still easier to roll out and, and easier to work with when it hasn't been frozen yet. The frozen stage is what I usually do is I'll make like, I mean, I've done lots of these, so I could probably make six or seven in about 20 minutes. And then I'll oil some uh, pizza pans and I'll put a little bit of cornmeal on top. And maybe even like we have a, sp- a pizza spice that we use that we like to sprinkle around. So I'll put that on, on the pan and I'll have those ready. And I'll roll out the pizzas after they've risen and cooled in the fridge. I will then roll them out onto the pans and then we'll cover them with saran wrap and we'll put them in the freezer and freeze them that way. So that when we want to pull them or use them, we just pull them out like moments before we're about to put them into the oven, put our cheese on top, our sauce and everything and 
right into the oven and got our frozen pizzas. So you freeze them on the pans and leave them on the pans. Yeah. Yeah. They're frozen on the pans. Your pans are in the freezer and they're just like having a frozen pizza on a pan. You're literally taking it out of the freezer, putting it on your counter, putting sauce, uh, cheese, toppings right into your oven. And, and you have homemade pizza. And you don't thaw right. it or anything first. It's you don't have to. You don't have to. I mean, if you have time to let it thaw, yeah, it's going to be nice and fluffy when you put it into the oven, thawed out. It's going to be more fluffy for sure. It's been frozen, and you put it in there. It, it's a little bit more dense. It's more like bread, right? Often we like at home, we have time to do it fresh, right? So often we'll 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 do the dough, we'll make it fresh, and then it gets really fluffy and, and really good. That's so the best way to do it. I just want to back up and make sure that I understand the steps. So you're, you mix the dough up, then you knead it for a while till it's like the size of the cereal bowl. Then you dust it with flour and you just leave it on the counter uncovered for a little while. Is that what you're so, doing? See, we have these little plastic bread bags that we use. Um, you can find them, uh, well, I don't know, uh, almost like you would be buying, putting your produce in at the grocery store, mm-hmm. but a little bit thicker. So I don't know where you can get them. But anyway, I put the pizza dough in there. What I usually do is I usually try to trap some air in there and I'll twist the dough. So that when you put it on the calendar, and often I like to hope it's a sunny day because I like to put it in the calendar in the sun mm-hmm. because it really rises better there. But uh, I'll, I'll spin it around, try to get some air in there, and then fold the, the, the bag opening underneath so it looks like a bubble with your dough oh. inside. You know? okay. And then it rises really good. In there. And then it doesn't stick. Like often I've done it where I didn't get enough air in there and, and the plastic kind of falls because there wasn't enough air. And then and then if the dough wasn't, didn't have enough flour, the plastic kind of sticks to your dough and then you try to peel it off later, which is, it's fine. You can cut it off or whatever, but it's just another step, right? That makes sense. Oh, and so if if I don't have the bread bag, so when I'm making normal bread recipes, what I often do is put the dough in a bowl covered with plastic wrap and I stick it like in the microwave where like no, not yeah. turned on, but just, so yeah. you, you do that. So just, and then you're rising it. For like an hour or how long? Does no, it- I would say about 15, 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah. It'll, it, uh, if it's doubled in size, that's probably good enough because this, I kind of modified this recipe to make it more individual pizzas. Actually, the, the original recipe that had the sugar that we called for was actually, it had more flour for a bigger pizza because we have bigger pans, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to modify this one a little bit. This is why I experimented the other day with pizza at home just to see what the proper ingredients were. And this this made a nice, good size. Now, the nice thing about this is if your family likes um, like a thicker crust, well, this is already, you know, the size of a, a little bit bigger than a, a cereal bowl now. Uh, you just have to roll it out a little bit to make it fit your pan, and then mm-hmm. you got more of a thicker crust. Mm-hmm. If they like a thinner crust, well, then you just roll it out thinner, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And often I'll cut off the edges, and I'll roll those, and I'll braid those into little breadsticks. I'll roll it with mm-hmm. cheese and some garlic and some pepper, and then cut them into little strips, and I'll braid the, the bread let them rise in the oven under warm or whatever. And then you got breadsticks as a little appetizer with some marinara sauce or something like that. So that's mm. always fun. But then at least you have like a thinner crust option as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, wait, I, I, more, yeah. I have more questions. Okay, so okay. it doubles on the counter in the sunshine if possible. And then you said you put it in the cooler. What What is that step? Yeah, yeah, because we just want to, st- I think, more, I, I'm not an expert on this, don't get me wrong, but I think that'll stop the rising process. You don't want it to rise anymore because then it'll get too thin. It'll be too easy to roll almost. Uh, you want it to be have a little bit of texture still, too, mm-hmm. and I think that's the right word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you want it to stop the rising process, which is why I used to put it into the cooler. Mm-hmm. And then you pull it out of the cooler. It's cool already. It's easy to work with. It's still fresh because mm-hmm. it's, it was just made, right? It's super easy to roll out when any size you want. Um, you can even take this and cut it into fours. And do calzones, right? Because mm. they're now they're in little triangles. You roll out your triangles, you fill up the middle, 
you roll up your dough and now you got little calzones too. Like it's very versatile. How long is it in the cooler for? Uh, whenever I've left it overnight, as long as it's covered and it can't dry out, uh-huh. I, I left them overnight. Um, I left them for two or three days. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're, they're best easiest to work with the earlier you can get. And get like an out. hour would be about a normal amount of time. Or like, what's the minimum? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that would yeah. work as long as it has a full cooling. Like you want it to stop rising. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And then, so I, like I said uh, earlier to you off the mic, I was like, I'm big on first impressions, right? So when we first opened this little, well, it was called Meteor Mike's little ice cream stand. It's her pizza. I was big on first impressions. So you know what it's like when you open a pizza box and everyone's excited. Uh, you just phone it and everyone's hungry, and it's like opening a Christmas present almost. Yeah, it's yeah. like there it is, right? So yeah. everybody loves that. So I thought, well. You know, our pizzas are homemade. They're good already. Let's let's think of another way to kind of, you know, wow people. So then what I started to do is I started to uh, roll the dough out a little bit bigger than the size of my pan, right? And then I would fold the dough over and I'd put it onto the pan and unfold it onto the pan. So it'd have a little bit of a hangover, right? I would trim the hangover so that there was just a little bit of a hangover. And I made you a video, which I told you about, and I'll send it to you if you can yeah. put it on your website. But what I used to do is I used to braid the crust. So I used to go around in a circle. And, and all I was doing was folding the edges over mm-hmm. on the pan as mm-hmm. I spun it. Mm-hmm. But when it was baked, it looks like somebody actually braided the crust. So now when you're opening this pizza, it looked like you had this braided homemade style like crust that you, you know find somewhere in Europe or something. I don't know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it kind of became the thing. So now it's like every pizza I make, I have to braid the crust. And so, yeah, it's super easy. Again, this whole thing is super easy. This whole process, this whole and it's delicious. That's the best part could feed your family like these are big pieces of pizza you're talking so it's like mm-hmm. you're gonna have leftovers for lunches the next day which is like the best part about having pizza or ordering pizza or making pizza and it's super easy and yeah you can make other meals out of it with it too so and then you bake these on just metal baking sheets right no yeah pizza so um, or anything like that yeah so actually i, I forgot i forgot a, a, a portion so what i would do after you have it rolled out it's so whether you're putting it into the freezer for storage or if you are about to use it i will brush it with olive oil and then i'll cover it for the freezer i forgot mm-hmm. to mention that part and i'll do the same thing as if i'm going to use it right away we often that pizza spice I'll, I'll put that on the crust by itself we'll use some of Angie's uh tomato sauce that i think <laughs> she just told you about a couple weeks yeah, ago yeah yeah We'll do that, and then I'll uh, brush the edges of the crust because you want those to turn nice and brown or a golden brown, right? So the pictures I'm going to send to you, I have some finished product we just made last week in our oven, and we didn't do it on convection, we just did it on a regular oven so that most people can relate. And then I've also, my favorite is actually I have a smoker in the backyard, and I love smoking the pizzas, and that's the way we love having it. Uh, the, the best, like when it's minus 30 up in Canada here, it's not... It's minus not ideal 30, to be barbecuing us. Minus thirty. Minus thirty Celsius. Minus thirty Celsius. <laughs> yes, Canadian. Just it, okay. Let me change. When it's freaking cold, you don't <laughs> want to be outside barbecuing. I've done it. It's not fun. Uh, but it is the best way to cook pizza. I think it's in a smoker barbecue. But if you don't have that, you just throw it in the oven. I wouldn't recommend using the convection, even if you do have that. Uh, sometimes with that airflow, will cause big bubbles in the dough, mm. uh, which sometimes will cause a hole, and now your pan is all your crust is broken basically right so yeah, i would yeah. just throw it you know i would set a timer so in the oven i would set a timer depending on like if you're loading it with toppings and then like this is a thick pizza 
it may vary in time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I will do like a 450 temperature oven as hot as it'll, you can go. And then I'll set a timer for about seven minutes and I'll spin it halfway. Another seven minutes, if you want, you can take it off the pan right onto the oven grill if, you, if you're brave. If mm -hmm. not, you can just leave it on the pan. But I will move it around the oven occasionally, mm -hmm. especially if you have two or three in there. Uh, I will rotate to make sure everything's getting cooked evenly. That's perfect. And so you think it takes about like 15, 20 minutes usually? Yeah. I mean, it's really fresh dough. So uh, when the heat when it's on bacon the heat's coming from the bottom right most pizza ovens cook from the top down right on a stone so then it generally cooks through uh when you're baking it's from the bottom i believe mm -hmm. so your bottom of your crust will get a lot darker than the top if you're cooking just if you have this space i would start your pizza off on the bottom get the bottom nice and brown and the edges nice and brown and then if you had to you could always broil it on the top shelf for mm. you know just a few minutes i would maybe turn the temperature down a little bit and just stand there and watch it though because it, it could go fast right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when you broil uh, but if you just wanted to get that, you know, the bubbling on the cheese or the or the crispiness on the cheese that what well, we all all love, that's the way to do that. You don't want to leave it in there by itself. I love it. This is so fantastic. And I don't think you have done a smoked pizza for me yet. So next time I'm in Manitoba, no. <laughs> I want one. It, it, it really is. And like Carter loves like the margarita style where it's just, you know, the homemade tomato sauce, the mozzarella, the fresh mozzarella and the basil. Like it's and then you get the like the charcoal of the, of the smoking and the taste. Oh, it's so good. That sounds amazing. I, yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to try it. And I'm going to make this dough recipe. I'd forgotten that we did that. You, I wasn't really part of the family business when you guys were doing pizzas. I don't mm -hmm. think so. It's, no. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we served it at, uh, at literally every restaurant that I was a part of other than like, I think my early years at the pierogi patch, mm -hmm. like, we probably didn't even have it then. Right. No. Uh, but from Meteor Mike's on, we did serve it in every establishment that we were a part of in some capacity. Well, it's super exciting, and I'm going to make this dough for everybody here. Thank you so much for doing this with me today, Mike. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Great idea. I'm not sure how I didn't guess pizza dough, but there you have it. Mike's deliciously amazing pizza dough recipe. I have had it so many times. It is so good. You are going to love it. And isn't my brother a great guy? That was such a fun conversation to do. Such a great way to celebrate this 900th anniversary, right? Bringing it all back where it started, my family and food. We were always in the kitchen. And to this day, when we're around each other, we are often in the kitchen as well, or we're eating or we're sitting in the hot tub talking and drinking wine. But that is beside the point. Those are our favorite things to do together, it seems. As to what is going on in in my kitchen this week. I am actually testing some old recipes from both of my sites. Some of them are mine, some of them are from contributors, but they are recipes that have gotten not the best comments on them for one reason or another in the last little while. There aren't very many of them, I'm glad to say, but whenever anybody has a concern about one of the recipes, I absolutely go and test it and try it. I often will also ask somebody else to test it in their house house. If we're having trouble with it, we want to know what is going wrong and fix that, right? So I am testing the air fryer pork loin. Did I already tell you about this? I might have. It's gotten pushed around my schedule a few times. But anyways, there have been some comments on the air fryer pork loin from people who were making a smaller pork loin than what was called for in the recipe. But the recipe also gives a number of minutes per pound. So that isn't quite meshing properly. So I need to fix that absolutely for sure. And then the other 
other one isn't originally my recipe. It is for caramelized onions that are done in a Dutch oven in the oven as opposed to on the stove. And the comments are actually really weird. Uh, some people love it and say it's like the best, easiest caramelized onions ever. And then a whole bunch of people are getting a lot of liquid out of the onions. They're not browning. I'm a little bit concerned that maybe different onions act differently, but I'm going to get several different kinds of onions and test that and find that out for sure. So that is what I'm doing in my kitchen this week as to what is going live on my website this week. Tasty, tasty things. There is a new seasoning blend up. It is the chicken taco seasoning. So this is supposed to taste like the packets of chicken taco seasoning, but without all the extra, like whatever that is in there, just like real ingredients, real seasonings. And as with all of my seasoning blends, the recipe is there for making a full half cup. So you can put it in a spice jar, but also the amounts are given for making two tablespoons. So if you have a recipe that calls for taco seasoning or chicken taco seasoning, or you just want to season up like a pound of it, you can make two tablespoons and just use what you need from that instead of making the whole big jar. So definitely look forward to finding that on the cookful this week and also on cook the story this week. Oh my God. So good. It is stuffed cabbage soup. This is all the flavors of my mom's Ukrainian cabbage rolls, but in soup form, so much easier to make than rolling cabbage rolls. But you've got the rice, the ground beef, the cabbage, the tomato. There's a lot of fresh dill in there, lots of onions, a little bit of paprika. Oh, it's really, really tasty. And lots of cabbage. Oh yeah, there's lots of cabbage in there too. <laughs> really tasty. And everybody in my house loves it, except the kids kind of pick out a lot of the cabbage, you know. But it is most definitely a keeper. I cannot wait for you to try that one. As to what is going on on the podcast this week. I will be telling you about the chicken taco seasoning for sure. I'm going to be talking a bit about chicken breasts, uh, air fryer panini. Ooh, some reverse searing. We're doing a reverse sear steak. All of that will be coming your way on this podcast every single morning. I mean, I've done this 900 times already. I am not about to start. If you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. So when you're listening on your phone, whichever podcast app you like to use, search for recipe of the day and then hit subscribe or follow. The other great thing that you can do is to join the recipe of the day Facebook group. And then you can always find the links to what I'm talking about and get the episode from there as well. So to join that group, head to facebook.com slash groups slash recipe OTD. I can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much for listening today and to any and all of the other episodes that you've listened to. I really appreciate it. I love knowing you're out there. I'm Christine Pittman from cookthestory.com, thecookful.com, the all new chicken cookbook, and from this podcast, Recipe of the Day, let's get cooking. Mm-hmm.